Hey metalheads, you like tattoos? Of course you do. If you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, come on over the bridge to Clarksville, Indiana and get you some ink done at Ageless Art. If ink isn't your thing, they have a piercing studio as well. Visit agelessartclarksville.com to see some frequently asked questions, meet the staff. The shop is open Monday through Thursday, 12 to 8 p.m., Saturdays, 12 to 10 p.m., and Sundays, 12 to 6 p.m., all appointment-only spots. You can set up your appointments by phone at 812-283-1793 or email agelessarttattooandpiercing at gmail.com and someone will get you set up for your first or your next tattoo or piercing. Welcome to the night. You think you know Night Demon? Then the Night Demon Heavy Metal Podcast is for you. Step into the darkness as we peel back the curtain to give you an unprecedented, all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts. In 2017, one man's vision and passion for all things metal started out as a record store in his house. Years later, the fight against a mainstream empire continues as Shade Beast. An independent metal collective and online store based in Athens, Georgia, is the world's premier heavy metal brand for music heads that value authenticity over the mainstream acceptance. Featuring original t-shirts from some of the best underground artists, as well as stickers, posters from the Shade Beast Presents concert series. Unique, one-of-a-kind collectibles and small curated selection of vinyl and cassettes from the masters old and new. Visit ShadeBeast.com and enter promo code SITHLORD for free domestic shipping on your first order, whether you're a new customer or returning. And be sure to join the Shade Beast social groups on Facebook and the interwebs to keep up with the new release announcements and talk all things metal and Star Wars. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and filth. Thank you for tuning into the Metal Forge. I am Mark Jackson and I'm your host. The premise of the show is pretty simple. Awesome interviews and awesome music. If you want to contact me, hit me up at MetalForgeRadio at gmail.com or visit the website MetalForgeRadio.com. And now, let's get this show on the road. What is going on, Metalheads? Thank you all for tuning in to this week's episode of The Metal Forge. And this week... I have Mr. John Gallagher from the band Raven here in the Metal Forge, and we are talking about their latest album and their new album that is slated for a September release. But before we get into that, how are you all doing? Wow, this has been such an awesome year already. You know, here we are three weeks in, and we've had... The Terrible Texan, Incantation, and Raven. And we have a lot more awesome guests coming up, like Becky Baldwin. We have um, just Space Coke. 
you know, there's so many awesome episodes that I've we're already slated up until the mid middle of March with episodes ready to come out. So it's it's fun. This has been awesome. This whole uh, beginning of the year, I. I really appreciate everybody who has been tuning in each and every week and listening. And uh, obviously, thank you to Jason and Athena for doing their reviews each and every week. That it, it just kicks ass. And Athena is back this week with an inter uh, with an interview. No, with a review. <laughs> um, <laughs> She is going to be talking about the new Obituary album, which came out on Friday the 13th. Uh, if you haven't got a chance to listen to it, please fucking do so, because I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. But yeah, before we talk to her, uh, what are your um, what are you all into this this year? What what are you all going to want to get into show wise? You know, obviously the Metallica stuff is out there. Uh, Jason and I have talked about that on a few other things, like the uh, I believe the the Mudhorn podcast and whatnot. But what um there's Hell in the Harbor. Uh, I know here in Louisville, uh, DRI is coming to town. Uh, Alice Cooper, ZZ Top. You know, and obviously we're going to have Louder Than Life in September and so on and so forth with that. But but no, what shows are you all interested in going to? Because I know in March there's Hell's Heroes, number five. And, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see what the what the hype is this year, what, what you all are excited about. So let me know. Shoot me a message. Comment down in, you know, on the social media posts. Send me an email, metalforgeradio at gmail.com. Let me know what shows and what tours that you are excited about. Because after so many, you know, so many months of not getting to go to shows over 2020 and 2021, you know, I'm curious to see what it is. And you know, state your grievances if there's if there's shows that you're that you're excited for but are just, you know, kind of bummed out about or something. Let me know that too because obviously I was I'm kind of bummed out over the Metallica thing honestly, you know, that there's only like there's only like 20 shows or whatever it is over over 2 years. Yeah, those guys I know are close to 60 now, but still uh what are you what, Go ahead. Let me know. Let us know. Shoot uh, any of us a message, and we'll we'll be glad to get you on and, and and to talk about it. You know, to converse. You know. So let's go ahead and check in with Athena on the new obituary. Misfits and miscreants, bangers and mashers, deviants and the deviated, the tormented and the fermented, ghouls and goblins, creatures of the night, jack those headphones, crack the volume to max, spark it up and just relax. It's time for your deadly dose. Welcome to the next installment of Metal Mischief. And if you can hear the music behind me and it sounds a little familiar, it might be because on today's lineup is Obituary and their new album, Dying of Everything. So, we've had 35 amazing years of music from Obituary. And this album is just as relentless as, say, The Incomplete and World Demise. Actually, this album reminds me a lot of both of those albums. It's got that definite, old, you know, just obituary as we know obituary. They do not let us down on this album, that's for sure. It's their 11th full-length album, too. After all this time, they're still putting out fucking solid material. And, you know, I i mean, if you heard my last review, which was of the year end, there's a lot of fucking good metal coming out in this year, in 2023. So, starting it off with Obituary is definitely the fucking way to go. 
for sure, for sure, for sure. Okay, so, I gotta say, you know, even though their members have changed a little bit over the years, you still have your core members that really make obituary identifiable. You know, like John Tardy and his, you know, his very distinct vocals for number one. Um, and of course, his brother, you know, Donald Tardy on drums. So you've got those two elements right there that have been present, you know, since 2003. Well, okay, so, you know, they had a little stint before that, both of them, from 1988 to 1997. And then they took like a hiatus to 2003, you know, to the present. But, you know, that is that distinct classic obituary sound and with those two elements of course this album was not gonna let me down <laughs> and it didn't it absolutely didn't so you know it was it was mixed really well it was produced really well very like you know like i said classic time type of obituary sound it's a little cleaner i do miss kind of that dirty aspect of obituary like you know when the production was a little rough back in the day that adds something to it you know for sure for me so I kind of miss that but you know a lot of metal nowadays is much cleaner than it used to be that that gritty production factor is not really you know as present anymore unless it's done on purpose you know so I like it, though. I like it a lot, even though, you know, it's kind of missing that grittiness. I really, really did like it a lot. Um, matter of fact, like, when I put it on, the first, you know, I I listened to albums over and over and over and over again before I review them. And, you know, it was one of those things, like, while I'm working, doing other shit, I had this album playing in the background. And many times I kind of forgot that I was listening to the new obituary. Because, you know, it was just like obituary was playing in the background. And it, you know, it's literally kind of one of those things. But, you know, to me, that's that's a good sign. You know, my brain is just like, oh, there's obituary. Fuck yeah. You know, it's <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, you know, for their 11th full-length album, they, they still got it, man. I gotta say, of course my favorite years are the tardy years, I won't lie, and that might be the case for a lot of us fans of Obituary, but, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy that the tardy boys are still with them, so, yeah. Anyway, um, it's pretty cool, though, because, you know, before that, they were actually called Executioner, like, in, in 1984, when, before they signed to Roadrunner, in 1988, they were actually called Executioner, and then there was another band also called Executioner, and so they had to change their name, and so when they signed with Roadrunner, they became Obituary, so that's, you know, just a little uh, history there, in case you didn't know, I'm sure most of you already knew that, but anyway, I find that kind of shit really fascinating, you know, like, where they were and how they, you know, have, you know, developed and shit over the years, and all that jazz, but, um, 35 years later, you know, shit, um, so, but now, I mean, they're not on Roadrunner anymore, this album was actually, um, put out by Relapse Records, which, you know, they've been with them for a little minute, a minute there, but, um, you know, uh, but it was actually recorded and, and done all by Obituary themselves, uh, in Obituary's home studio, called Redneck Studios. So they actually did all that shit themselves, but Relapse has, you know, put it out for them, so. And it was filmed, filmed, haha, look at me. It was actually recorded in Gibsonton, Florida. You know, these Florida boys. So, let me see, lost my play. Oh, yeah, and it was recorded in done mixed by Full Force Studios. And, of course, the release date, January 13th, 2023. So, that was the nitty. Here is the gritty. We always have to take pause and introduce ourselves. Not introduce ourselves. Holy shit, where is my brain? 
and introduce the band. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me hit this again. Yep. 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 Okay. So, it it's time to introduce the band. As I already mentioned, the Tardy brothers are still with us. So, we've got John Tardy of course on vocals and Donald Tardy on drums. We have Terry Butler on bass, Kenny Andrews on guitar, <coughs> Trevor Perez, <coughs> Perez on rhythm guitar. <coughs> so, there's not a whole lot to actually say about this album because it's just a classic sounding obituary album. I mean, I have nothing negative to say about it. So, if you are an obituary fan and you are a fan of death metal and you want to hear the new album, then you should definitely pick this up, download it, go to any of the social media sites or whatever, where they stream it and all that shit, you know. Or, here in the near future, I will have it in stock at Better Days Records. And you can come down and visit me at the Better Days Records location on the east side. And I can help you out with some metal. Not just obituary, but all kinds of metal. But, keep in mind, we don't have everything yet. We're building stock. So, if you are in a band and you are listening to this, please reach out to me because I'm trying to stock the store full of awesome metal. They made me the metal goblin, so now I gotta make sure all the, the shelves are stocked with good metal. And I wanna stock it with independent labels and self-produced albums. I mean, if you are in a metal band and you have some kind of physical media, please reach out to me because I want to put it in the store. I want to put it in people's hands. If you are in a band, you deserve to be heard. You deserve to have your shit in a record store. So please, get a hold of me. Please. Alright. Cool. Now that we got that out of the way. Definitely go pick up this album, though. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. So, I guess we're kind of getting to that point where it's time for Athena's five-shot review. And if you've been sleeping through class, there are some rules. So, first I want to pause and take a shot here. And I want to take a shot because I want to toast to the new year ahead and all the metal that is going to come forth and blast our eardrums and caress our cochleas. Here's to all you amazing musicians out there. If you are listening, cheers to you. been sleeping through class here are the rules five shots it took me five shots to get through the motherfucker four shots meh could have used some um three shots good made me air drum and bang my head two shots Really good. Put that shit in the glove box for traveling. And one shot. Excellent. I'll probably have a bangover in the morning. So, without further ado, shitty drum roll. I am going to give obituary 
dying of everything. One shot! Excellent! I'm probably gonna have a bangover in the morning. So, until we meet again, have a most excellent time, and remember, keep it heavy! So I am going to have to go back and re-listen to this album because I listened to it. I got busy in the middle of doing something, and I'm weird like that. Like I'll sit there and I will. It. I don't want to say it becomes like background noise at some point, but like if I have, if I'm like cleaning the house or doing the dishes or whatever, I start getting in like. Uh, you know, I gotta do this and I gotta do that. You know, the thing that we all do, and then it just kind of like phases out and just kind of. Th- but from what I can remember of the album, it is fucking amazing. You know, and I've never been like a enormous obituary fan. You know, I've always respected what they've done, but like this, like sonically, I think it sounds really awesome. It's mixed and mastered extremely well. And I dug what I, you know, about the first half of the album that I can remember listening to. Uh, but yeah, totally fucking awesome. Fuck yes. More, please. Yeah. So let's go ahead and get into this with Raven. This, we're going to go back. Uh, and we're not going to play any of the new songs, okay? We're going to go back to the, like, the day with, with Raven this week. This is from the Stay Hard album. This is Restless Child.
right, metalheads, I am being joined on the line today from John Gallagher from the band Raven. John, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Mark. Good to be here. Thank you. Hell yeah. So a little bit of history here. We have, you know, Raven, you know, you're a, you're a legendary band. You've, you've kind of been all over the world, you know, you're starting what the 49th year of of raven this year absolutely the 49th year of our galactic conquest yes <laughs> hell yeah so 1974 we turned around and looked at each other and said we're going to form a band let's uh fight our parents for instruments and see if we can learn to play <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it, it's your yourself your brother and you've had a few different drummers in 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 the course of the years but only a couple of yeah really i mean we had in our initial years we went through drummers kind of like toilet paper then we had uh a couple of guys for a few years and then you know things really started happening when we got rob hunter Rob Wackle Hunter in on drums in like late 79, early 1980. And when he, oops, that's my alarm to tell me to talk to you. There you go. Hey. Uh, I, I swear ahead of the curve here. Uh, and of course, when Rob left, we got a, a guy in called Joe Hasselvander, uh, another great drummer who was with us for nearly 30 years until health issues and what have you made, you know, he had to leave. And we've had Mike Heller in on drums since uh, 2017, doing a fabulous job. Yeah. Hell yeah. So is it just because, you know, you say you went through the drummers like toilet paper? Is that because a lot of them were shit? No, I'm kidding. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, when we first started, we had a, 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 the kid from down the street who couldn't play. And then we got an older guy in where it, it it wasn't his priority. Then we got Mike Kenworthy in, who was an older guy and was with us for like three years and kind of got us in on the pub and club circuit in the northeast of England. And then, you know, he had his exams and what have you. We got this lad in called Sean Taylor, who ended up in Satan down the line. He still plays with Satan. And he was with us for a few years. Nothing much was happening. He quit. We looked around, then we got Rob in. Once we got Rob in, we changed to a three-piece. You know, the, the other guy, Paul, who'd started the band with us, had quit the band. We had another guy in for a couple of months, didn't work. We went as a three-piece, and that's really when the magic started to happen, I think. That's when we really came up with uh, a more identifiable, unique sound. And, you know, we just had all this space uh, musically to fill uh, which, you know, just made us all grow as players For enormously. Sure. There's no passengers in a three-piece band. You can always have a passenger in a four-piece band. You know, the, the guitar players can kind of lean on each other. Oh, I'm just going to make a noise and you can play the song. Right, <laughs> right. You know, I think that's... We're in a three-piece, we just all make a noise. So there you go. For sure. And, you know... And I'm I'm in a three piece band myself, and every time we've went to move to a second guitar player, it's never seemed to work out. Like the other guy has always wanted uh, wanted to quit, and he didn't want to share guitar duties with him. So I can totally relate to the to the three piece thing. Yeah, I mean the the four piece thing with two guitar players can work if the, the guitar players want to work together and be creative. Uh, I mean, a lot of the times it's just you know. Both guys play the same rhythm and then they take turns at solos. It's not incredibly creative. Uh, I mean, you'll you'll get things like, remember the Pat Travers band when they had mm -hmm. Pat Travers and Pat Thrall? That was creative. Right. Because, you know, they, were, they weren't playing the same chords. We'd be playing interlocking parts. And it was a, a lot more, to my mind anyway, a lot more creative. But uh, it's just like anything else, you know. It's uh, the more people you add, it gets, it gets harder. 
It right. really does. The more you mouths know, to feed, it, the more people come on the road. The, you know, the, 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 obviously the logistics thing is a lot, a lot uh, nicer. I'd prefer to be in a three-piece band than a nine-piece band. <laughs> right. See, and and I don't understand how bands like uh, Iron Maiden and uh, Leonard Skinner can do like three or four guitar player bands. It's just it's weird to me because well, like, it can do it, but I mean, you know. It's got to be a, a, a lot more organised, uh, and in and in some ways, that's totally what we hate. Is the it has to be like this? I like the song to be a living, breathing organism where I can change my fills when I feel like it. You know, Mike will go off. I'll follow him. Mark will do just crazy things on top, and then you know there'll be parts where all three of us are jamming. So there's a there's a structure, there's a format, but within that format, we never play the song the same way twice ever. Right. He always plays different solos. When I do bass solo stuff, it's usually always different, and Mike's always going nuts on the drums, uh, improvising here, there, and everywhere. And uh, that really keeps it alive, you know. Oh, for that sure. way it's exciting. I mean, we just lost Jeff Beck. Right. Right, and Jeff Beck was. You know, like the greatest exponent of that. Look at all the videos, all these songs. I mean, like, because uh, we've ended as lovers or Blue Wind or whatever. He never played the same thing twice. It Definitely. was a format when it came to solos and that, boom, off. And, oh, for sure. You know, and a lot of that's been lost by a lot of the younger bands. It's like, oh, I have to play the solo like it is on the record, you know, type of thing. Well, no, and, it, and, it, and it's spontaneity, too live that's what it's all about spontaneity you want to you know you want to be a little bit dangerous you know you want you want people to be like not knowing what's going to happen next when it's all laid out like okay oh uh, you know i have the program they're going to do all of this and do it exactly no that's you know classical go oh. for that oh for sure and that's why i hate getting on uh websites like setlist fm and finding out what the band's playing on that tour because you know with i think you know like with metallica they don't do the same show twice they they try to yeah they got the certain yeah, things which is very commendable it's 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 great to do that this a few artists will do that if you're doing an opening slot, it's a little harder because usually you're locked within. You're doing 30, yeah, 40, or 45, and you know, you've know you got to be done when you're done. So that, that does restrict you. Or festivals. I mean, when we first started doing festivals, we were guilty as hell as running over and sometimes got cut off, and it was a really horrible experience Ugh. to be cut off in mid-coitus, so to speak. So... You know, it's just like, okay, you you got to really rein that in and, you know, don't have a song that's endless jamming at the end. Right. <laughs> try to avoid that part, you know. But uh, you, you do try to mix it up. Uh, we just did a tour last year doing the Wiped Out album, and it was basically a few songs, then the Wiped Out album, then a few songs. So kind of by having that huge block of the same songs, there wasn't a great deal of variety in it. You know, we'd change up one or two every other night or something. It's about it. But you try to make the effort. For sure. Because there are people that want to come and see more than one show, and you want you want to give them something different, you know? Definitely. So with that, you say you were doing a Wiped Out album. Now, is that something that you actually like to do? Do you, uh, you know, because you've got 14 studio albums out, and... Is it like a, a like you're gonna go and do like the all for one tour or or something like that or you know stay hard and you're gonna play it like in its entirety? Is that something you particularly like to do? Uh, we'd only done it once, which was the wiped out one. Uh, we were asked to do it. We uh, initially was like, no, I don't want to do that. And then we thought about it and said, well, why not? Let's give it a shot. And it was uh, it was fun. It was interesting. It was different. Because, you know, usually a set list evolves, but you have those touchstone songs mm -hmm. that are always in. You have the basic framework. It's like, you know, last tour we did four from the new album. Well, we, we can't do the four. We're going to do the next album and put a few new songs in from that. And, you know, it evolves slightly. With this, it was like everything was out the window and you're doing this. Like, oh. 
and it was a case of like well hopefully it, it paces well when we play it and it did it paced great it, it was a lot of fun we are going to do all for one we're doing that in the UK here in March we're going out doing a tour with that and probably a few selected uh, festival dates not sure about the states at the moment because uh, we do have a brand new album that will be coming out in September and we're looking to tour in September so we'll We'll see how it goes with that. Hell yeah. Uh, so let me ask you this. So when you're going to do, you know, because uh, Wiped Out came out in 1982, and obviously you said that there are points in there where you do have your staples. You do have this song and this song from all the older albums and such, and then you had the newer songs and and so on and so forth. How was it like to go back and listen to the album and have to relearn it? Uh not too bad. There was a, a couple of songs. I was like, yeah, what did we do there? <laughs> it was like this. Uh, what was the song? UXB has some crazy passing harmony stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's like this. It's like this. And Mark's like, no, you got it wrong. It's the other way around. <laughs> You're going down and I'm going up. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So between the two of us, we figure it out. Well, hell yeah. Because I, I think it's funny because, like, on a. a there was a documentary that I watched about the stones and they had a guy that just traveled with their albums. So whenever they wanted to put a particular song in the set that night, they would have the albums there to listen to it, to relearn it that day. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you I've got the chance heard to of that. other people like, uh, Tori Amos, I think her and the band, they had like 300 songs that they rehearsed. And it was just call out the set. It's, it's crazy. That is, um, I couldn't. And I obviously, other like more jam bands, like the Grateful Dead, and uh, who's the other one? Government Mule. It's very much that type of thing. Uh, what are we doing tonight? Uh, we'll do this. <laughs> yeah, that's that's an insane. That's <laughs> it's this one. <laughs> you know, where they're just like. Just yell yeah. it out and, and just go. And I'm sure there's so many bands that actually do that. But, you know, I do like a good stage show. I'll just, I'll go with that on that as well. So, but. Well, it's, there's, there's, there's two things. There's bands who are, you know, they've got charisma. They've got, they're, they're performers. You know, they've got personality. And then you've got what, you know, like, like the Pink Floyd thing where it's just like, we've got an awful lot of money and we bought this, watch this. Right. Not to knock Pink Floyd because absolutely brilliant at what they do, but, but you know what I mean? It, it's not like, uh, are you ready to rock and roll? And no, it's not that at all. It's right. just the guys are just playing and you've got pigs and aeroplanes and all this other stuff, you know? So it's very you know, much if, if you're a if you're a big band and you're playing a big arenas and big holes and you want a big show to go with it, great. But it still has to be based on you know the music showmanship, personality, music. Which is why, you know, somebody like Queen, it was perfect, you know. You had Freddie, you, you had the band, you know, the guys were rocking out. You wanna see that. Yeah, absolutely. Metallica put on a big show. You know, the guys are out there rocking out, doing their thing. Uh, you don't want faceless individuals making their hair go round in circles all dressed in black. That, that's not a stage show. I agree. You know? I agree with that. Uh, so you did mention that you do have a new album coming out in September. Awesome. So number 15, you know, yep. at, uh, studio albums. Uh, do we have a name for it yet? Or are you allowed to say a name yet? Uh, no, we nah. do kind of have a name for it, but we'll lock it down 100% a little later. We're still finishing off the artwork, which looks phenomenal at the moment. It's awesome. uh, uh, kind of in the vein of Metal City. It's more art with, uh, involving us in various crazy, dangerous circumstances, but uh, <laughs> you'll see it when it's done. We've done, we'd recorded an awful lot of songs. We did, we wanted 10 songs for the record. Again, just keep it not too long, not too short. Boom, boom, boom. When you finish, you want to hear it again. You know, uh, 
the tendency to do in 17, 18, 19 song albums. It, it's, you know, it doesn't work. I mean, that's old school double album time. And to sustain that, I mean, if it's a concept album, I can understand that. But otherwise, you're just getting buried in songs. And you want to try and be a little more concise, especially with the, you know, the kind of music we're playing. It's exciting. It's energetic. There's a lot of craziness in it. There's there's not, you know, a five-minute intro before the song starts and all that right. nonsense. We don't do that. So we, we did that. We've done a couple of uh, strange cover tunes, which uh, the new record company, Silver Lining, who we've, uh, are bringing this record out, wanted. And they'll be coming out later in the year. Uh, more on that as we get closer to it. Hell yeah. Um, which was uh, fun. And then we've, we recorded, like I said, like maybe six extra songs, two of which all will be extra tracks for the album. And the other four, we'll see. Maybe an EP or something down the line. They're all great. We're, we're happy with them. It was just too much for one record. Definitely. And I think that's ultimately an interesting point with with bands because you know seeing it like if, if once you're doing this for an extended period of time in your life you know 10 years 15 years 40 years whatever uh that the songs that don't make the cut you know whether it be based on uh, the band just uh it's it's not a strong enough song or the label coming in and saying hey we don't really particularly think that this is a good song you know and and those decisions that get made to you know the stuff that hits the cutting room floor i think is always interesting oh definitely uh i mean i mean this this time we recorded like i say a, a lot more of those songs but the last three or four albums we've went in we've had 30 35 songs and sometimes they'll get kicked to the curb because they're not quite ready or they're not as strong as some of the others maybe because they just weren't worked on hard enough and sometimes you'll come back to them like the next album cycle so you remember that song we if i did this this and this oh it's so much better now let's do it that's happened and that will happen and a couple of those songs, it happened with the brand new one. There was stuff that was put together on Metal City and was like, oh, I like this, but this one will fit better. We were lucky enough to have enough songs to go. What would be a great lead-off song? What would follow that? What would be a good one in the middle? What would be a great closer? You know, that type of deal. To yeah. kind of like pre-sequence it before you'd even yeah. went to that. Yeah, know? it's like a, a, a version of uh, pre-production. Yeah, you distill it down to like, okay, we're going to record these songs, you know, and you, you maybe, you know, one or two over what you need. And that way you've got those extra tracks for Outer Mongolia or wherever you're selling your records these days, you know. Definitely. Um, so, But uh, you're right. I mean, it's you, you don't just write the songs that are on the album. There's always a few extra. Uh, and it's just these days that... The way it works out, we we've we haven't recorded them properly, all of them, but they they've all been demoed, and I'll always listen back and go, "Damn, we need to do something with that one." <laughs> right. <laughs> so when you're going in to record albums and and such, when with with the Raven way of doing things, uh, do you? But even back in into the uh, early to mid '80s and such with demoing things do you still listen to those tapes from that time period that you have and say you know that was really cool back then maybe we could do something like that now and just uh you know from the demo stuff that maybe didn't get released uh usually if they're that good they've stuck in my head and they're still floating around writing quotes odd riffs i mean there's uh, there's there's one really cool riff that Mark came up with in like 1983 that always stuck in my head, and I finally wrote a song with it. But it never it hasn't ended up on this record. It's really strong song. It's actually really commercial, and it's a typical Raven style riff that he came up with. So that's one of those things. But I I really don't troll. Oh, let's listen to the 1983 riff tape and see what we've got and do that. Okay, I, I try to 
you know, back back away from that. You want to be thinking and, and writing of where you are now as opposed to where you are then. But saying that, a good idea is a good idea is a good idea. Ex- exactly. Um, you know, if, if, you know, if you come across that, which I do, because, I mean, we've been, we did a box set for Rock Until You Drop last year, and I was listening for stuff. I found a cassette tape with Mark writing Rock Until You Drop. Wow. Which was, wow, just sitting in the bedroom playing a guitar and just coming up with the, with the riffs. I was like, wow, this is, you know, it's not really the kind of thing you're going to put out on a, a, in a an album or anything, but it was just cool to find, you know. Oh, for so sure. So there are these little snippets and things here and there. You'll, you'll find jam tapes of us rehearsing and what's that? But like I say, the good ones are still in here and they, they come out now and then. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. So I do want to touch on something uh, live with with you in particular you know i myself singing bass player uh obviously you know i'm a huge motorhead fan a huge rush fan so they they both check the boxes uh obviously huge raven fan that's why we're here today uh so you actually use a headset mic yeah uh so what what was the genesis for the headset mic rather than just you know on the mic stand in front and was it for freedom was it for no hey nobody else is doing that and it looks cool what what was the reason uh, behind it well it, it to me it does look cool and all the rest of it and it's different but i remember seeing video of kate bush back in 1979 when she did her first and really only tour it was like how's she doing that They'd made a headset mic. Mm. The, the engineer that worked with them, you know, she needs to dance, uh, you know, bit of coat hanger, whatever, put the microphone on it. That's brilliant. I'd love something like that. And then the next a couple of years later, I see Sammy Hagar using this. I'm like, oh, this is, now it's, it's a real thing. This, mm-hmm. this, this could be really cool. And in 84, when we came over the States, I went to 48 streets in Manhattan in New York. I want the headset mic, I want the wireless, I want the whole deal. And went through holy hell for like the next year and a half trying to make it work. But uh, yeah, the idea was the freedom and the freedom to not have somebody kick the mic stand and have it hit you in the teeth while you're singing, the freedom to not get electric shocks when you're playing some of these clubs where the wiring was a little substandard and what have you. (laughs) And being there's only the three of us being able to move around. Definitely. Rather than just being static, you know, when we never were a static band and just to try and break away from that. You always felt like somebody just nailed your feet in front of the microphone stand. And you, you have to hold yourself a certain way to sing, where with the, the headset mic, you've got more freedom. You can move if the sound isn't great in one spot. You can move away. You can move to, you know, get a better monitor sound. Definitely. Because obviously it changes wherever you are on the stage, so... That's uh, incredibly helpful with that. Definitely. Long to remember if it's on, not to talk before you go on stage. And then you're good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so don't sit there and be like, oh, my gosh, I need to take a shit. <laughs> exactly, yes. <yeah. laughs> because it's going to happen. It's going to come through. And, and, you know, it seemed to be, like like you said, you know, like a staple point, you know, like Kate Bush uh, and, and all the pop stars, you know, Michael Jackson and Madonna and all of them using it. And then Sammy Hagar and then, you know, Ted Nugent was, use, was using one. And, and it, it's always interesting to me because, you know, I've – most of my experience with the uh, with the headset mic has not really been with front people. Has been with uh, actually with drummers, right? You know, because it's easier for the drummer to you know be able to swing and do whatever they do back there, uh, and not have to you know worry about hitting a mic stand or something. Yeah, always back in the day, there would be like uh, somebody like Lee Kerslick from Uriah Heep would sing, and the roadie would have the boom mic and would swing it over. <laughs> from the scene and swing it back you know you, you would see a lot of that going on and it's obviously just a lot more comfortable where you can turn your head and keep singing and move and do stuff you know oh i'm sure and and the freedom that it gives you as a vocalist to to be able to get to that front row of people and just 
point into well, yeah, and just uh, continuing you know, the, the show. It, it, it enables you to be obviously a lot more of a front man than being stuck behind the microphone, you know? Definitely. It, it really made a, 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 a huge difference. And like I said, when we first took it out, it would cut out about five or six songs into the set. And then we, you know, go to a regular mic and then bring the whole damn thing on the bus and me and the the uh, sound man would sit there and open it up and try to figure stuff out and he'd spray like clear plastic over stuff to try and waterproof it and try it the next night and no and then the, my roadie said yeah it's, it's, it's always the same like at the end of the show after I pour out the sweat out of the transmitter we're all like what? <laughs> <laughs> so it was at the small of my back and it would just fill up with sweat oh, wow. and of course once it got to a certain level boop, it would just cut out so then we had what was called John's colostomy bag where it was all sprayed with plastic and put in like triple bags and then put on the back and then it, it worked perfectly from then on in oh wow that's now of course I, I have it in a pocket on my chest so it, it doesn't get the sweat and stuff anyway I've done that for years definitely but, that- uh, yeah it, uh, it was a learning curve <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. It's it. It always uh, reminds me of the moment, and because I, you know, we we have inner monitors uh, with my band and and doing the wireless gig and everything is, it's fun. It is definitely a learning curve, and I always think back to the scene of the the Air Force Base show in Spinal Tap, where you're getting the people talking through the radio. The, uh, you know, uh, hello. <laughs> it's just like. Yeah. Yeah, we've we've had that before. <laughs> Taxi for Lawson. You uh, one through two Acacia Avenue. You know, I, I really hope to play a place one day where I we can like bleed over into like the police band or something. <laughs> oh yes, they, they'll come and tell you real quick. <laughs> oh yes, they will. Yes, they absolutely will. Uh, awesome. So new album September. Hopefully everything is all is a set release date ready to go for that. Uh, we're looking at September, not okay. a set release date yet. We're still with all the production. Us. The the old guy has to get his thing in like this week, I believe it is, and then we'll be able to say, "Boom, you've got it all." And then we move forward from there, and they'll set a date and work based on that. Hell yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and switch gears here, and we're going to ask some general profile questions to you as a person because. Uh, you know, we're all people. We're all in it together. We're all doing the thing. We're all just day to day life. Uh, sure. If you could be a personal assistant to anyone, who would it be? Oh, jeez, a personal assistant to anyone. It would have been fun to be a personal assistant to Jeff Beck and Ooh. just see behind the scenes all that stuff. That would have been that would have been cool. Yeah. yeah. You wouldn't keep offering him picks or anything, though. <laughs> you need this pick, man. Because no. <laughs> I get asked that. You got any picks, man? I goes, no. I play with my fingers. <laughs> says, I'm not. I'm not giving you the finger. <laughs> ah, yes, definitely. <laughs> so I thought if I should get some plastic fingers made up, and I could throw them out instead. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, dark joke of the day is: Ask Tony Aomi where he gets his. Oh shit! There, there you go. Oh, Tony shit. should sell plastic fingers, right? He yeah. should, <laughs> right? And you know, I'm a huge Sabbath fan as well. I definitely have Tony's hand tattooed on my arm. So, oh, that's cool. So that's yeah, cool. It, the hand of doom is what it's called. Hand of doom, indeed. What a what a guy! What a guy! Definitely. Um, what okay. is the nicest thing a stranger has ever done for you? Oh wow, that's a tough one. I've had uh, relative strangers lend me money uh, at uh, darker times of my life, which was incredibly uh, appreciated. Put it that way, uh, people that I didn't actually know that well and had heard of what was going on and just reached out and said, hey, you're covered. Wow. Uh, you know, that, that type of thing makes you think, you know, it's one of those things where you want to pay it forward and help people out the same way, you know. So uh, that's what springs to mind. Definitely. Yeah. That is amazing. And, and I'm sure, you know, it's because they – you know, being fans of of the band and just knowing, you know, you're you're just a kick ass guy overall. 
Well, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is the main thing that influences your decision making? Uh, I'm pretty analytical. I try to look at things from all angles before I make a decision. I, I try not to make, I mean, you'll get your gut reaction, which I'll take and put it to one side, review everything else, take another look at that, and then see what it is. Having said that, quite often your gut reaction is the right one. Hell yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, what do you consider is the most important piece of furniture in a house? Piece of furniture? <laughs> a, a damn good chair. <laughs> yes. I agree because I am very much a, you know, I like to sit and talk with people. I like to hang out and just chill out and feel like what everybody has to say. So, yes, a great chair is always the best because it's like you can get down and you can just be like, hmm. So explain to this, you know, talk to me about this. Exactly. Hell yeah. So I'll ask a couple more because, you know, I know you're a busy, a busy person. Um, what is your kryptonite? My kryptonite? There's a few. Pickles. Yeah. Oh. Fucking pickles. I hate them. Don't give me pickles. Mayonnaise. <laughs> oh, Mayonnaise. <laughs> And tomato ketchup. No, thank you. Oh, oh. so you so you don't uh, you don't like pickles? No. So it, it's always it's always a challenge if you're ordering fast food to go. I don't want this. I don't want that. I don't want this. I don't want that. And they'll go, yeah, great. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always get with the thing of saying plain. Yeah, send that's it, that. send and, it, and send it, it to me. What, what, what was the great line from? Uh, what was it? It was the lethal weapon i can't remember the it was the, the the little guy the italian guy what the hell is his name they always fuck you when you drive through joe, joe pesci <laughs> joe pesci there you go <laughs> uh so i do have one more question but before we get into that as always links are listed in the description below so please give a like share and a follow please support in any and every way you can go buy merch go buy albums go support these guys when they're on tour because you know this is a big milestone 15 albums that is amazing you know a lot of people you know put out and put out and put out but you know when it's a 50 year career let's just go ahead and round it up you know that's you know that's a, a long time you know that's a, a super long fucking time i saw there was a the thing was run around on the internet last year at some point and it was like uh, the longest you know bands that have been going and we were like fourth or fifth on that list i mean the Rolling Stones and Aerosmith were above us. There wasn't many more. I was Priest. like, I was blown away <laughs> by that. Probably, you know, ZZ Top. And, you know, it, it surprised me. I, and when you think back, I said, well, yeah, it's a long time. It, oh, absolutely. It's a damn long time. And that, that's one of the reasons why we did the Wiped Out thing. It's 40th anniversary. You know, 15th, 20th. Eh, yeah, that's okay. 40th? Right. That's got some gravity to it. So... I will, yeah. I will go out on well, a limb and say that Wipeout is older than seriously, of course, me. look at doing those kind of things just for that reason, you know? You know, I, I will go out and say that Wiped Out is older than I am, so... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, not by much. Uh, I, I'm an all-for-one all for one guy. I was born in there 83, so hell yeah. There you go. Uh, do you have any shout-outs you want to throw out to anybody today? Basically, just everyone out there that's been supporting the band for forever are uh, appreciated uh, any newbies out there please check out the stuff there's a lot of albums out a lot of youtube stuff and we'll see you out on the road in 2023 when no matter where you may be yes absolutely so final question of the day is if you were going to be cremated where would you like to have your ashes scattered <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. I could I could think of a few places where they wouldn't like it, and it would be very politically incorrect. But uh, let's let's just say 
would put them on the site of the old Mayfair Ballroom in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which is the greatest venue on the planet and is now gone. So we'll do that. Hell yeah. That Obviously, it means something to you. you never seen anywhere like it, man. Every week, headbanging mania for six or seven hours, the greatest rock bands that were around, and, you know, the hottest girls, the most expensive beers, the whole deal. <laughs> nice. Dude, John, thank you so much. This has been an awesome interview. Uh, a great, not even an interview, a great conversation. You know, and that's what this is about on the Metal Forge and everything. And on our way out today from, actually, you know what? Any song that you want from your career, what do you want me to play out? All career. Oh, that's a good one. Of uh, course, it has to be released. <laughs> Unless you want to send me something that's not released, <laughs> I, I got a good, I got a good one for you. That's uh, full of piss and vinegar. Pick your window off the life's a bit, life's a bit album. There's Hell a fun yeah. one for you. All right, so you heard him. This is from the Life's a Bitch album. This is Pick Your Window. <laughs> What's up, Metal Forge fans? This is Alan Bishop, the alchemist of Indiana's Black Forest and head distiller at Spirits of French Lick. Do you find yourself drawn to the unexplained, fascinated by the Fortean, or enchanted by the paranormal? 
If the things that go bump in the night resonate in your mind, then tune into my brand new podcast. If you have ghosts, you have everything. Featuring firsthand accounts, collected stories, interviews, history, and speculation related to all things not of this world. Available now on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Set back, relax, and remember, if you have ghosts, you have everything. Hey, let me tell you guys about Mercenary Press. They're an independent London label and distributor of all things metal. Mercenary Press delivers the goods from their own independent zine. Trust me, you're going to want to get in on that. To distributing various bands from all over the world, including Cramp from Spain and Sadistic Force from Texas. Visit mercenarypress.bigcartel.com to find out what all they have in stock and what you can order. And for Metal Forge listeners, enter code METALFORGE10 to receive a discount on your total purchase at mercenarypress.bigcartel.com. Check it out now. Hey, Metalheads, it's with great pleasure I get to tell you guys about a new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Ageless Art, New Albany. After 20 years of owning and operating Ageless Art in Clarksville, Indiana, Phil Garrett had a vision for a new type of tattoo studio, something that is clean and modern, sleek, refined, inviting. And he's done just that with Ageless Art in New Albany. You can find it at 2736 Charlestown Road, New Albany, Indiana, 47150. Business hours are Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Sundays are 12 to 6. All sessions are appointment only, so give them a call and go get you some new ink. Or if it's your first time, go get your first one, baby. Since 2013, there has been a calling from the underground. From the graves of all those unholy, and they decided to make a zine to talk about all of this. Soul Grinder Zine! An independent metal zine to keep you informed on all things metal and horror from the underground. Available in both print and digital formats, they're bringing you the best interviews and reviews out there today. Not only do they do the zine, but they also do compilation CDs. Check them out at facebook.com slash soulgrinder.zine and start your subscription now. Hey everybody, let me tell you about the new sponsor to the Metal Forge, Unchained Tapes. They're an independent Pennsylvania tape label. They focus on extreme metal and punk with a killer approach to the tape scene. Visit their web store at unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com now to get your fill of tapes. And for being a Metal Forge listener, enter the code METALFORGE10 at checkout to get a 10% discount on your total purchase. That's unchainedtapes.bigcartel.com. 